It's been the longest season in Queensland football, but after nearly seven and a half months, it's finally finished, and the Brisbane Football Review is going to recap it right now. It's James Scott and Adam here just after the NPLW Grand Final at Lions Stadium. We're on the deck and uh, Lions celebrations are continuing, I think, just uh, right below us. So, Birth in wall. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, guys, yeah, well, uh, it's going to be an NPL recap special, predominantly predominantly local club focus. Okay. I swear I haven't been celebrating with Lions. I'm just very tired. It's just a long season, isn't it? It's finally gotten to you. Yeah, seven and a half months. It started here February 2nd with the NPL kicking off with uh, Lions and Penn Power. And the final NPL Queensland match of the season is uh, just wrapped up now with Lions running out 3-1 victors in the NPLW Grand Final. So we should say, above all else, congratulations to the clubs that won all the premierships and championships this year. Uh, we've enjoyed going around yeah. to all the grounds. And now we've got to talk about the season in general. Adam? Yeah, look, it's uh, been, a long, been a long season. But um, I think uh, overall, I think the uh, teams that probably were the most consistent were obviously rewarded with um, silverware. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, but I think it, it's a bit of a shame, I think, you know, in the MPL, in the men, that you know, it was only a four-team final series. I think if you had the fifth and sixth, as we've said, um, it may have been a different result, you know, but look, at the end of the day, can't take anything away from those yeah. uh, teams that had success this season. Yeah, well, uh, we'll keep focusing yeah. on the NPL competition to start off with. Scott, what yeah. was your takeaway from that competition? I was going to say the one thing I noticed was, Adam mentioned the consistent size picked up the trophies. I say the ambitious size. If you look at like what Lions have done here in building their NPLW program, it's a fantastic bit of work they've done over the last couple of years to really make that one of the standard bearers of the, of the competition. And you look at Gold Coast Knights and the men's, the work they've put into building up that club in their first year in the competition, it's great to see ambition being rewarded. And hopefully we can see, not that there's not other ambitious, ambitious clubs in there, because there's plenty of them, but I really like that being rewarded because it's a good reward for that ambition they're showing. I think as well, just going back to the women as well, I think Lions were the favourites uh, to win 12 when they when they signed Robescue 12 months ago, yep. pretty much to the day, the day after uh, the Gap were defeated by uh, Brisbane Roar in the in the final last year and Lions announced the sign. That was always going to be you know, a turning point and I guess prophecy fulfilled. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, I want to talk about the men's competition. So we had Lions win the premiership there, didn't they? Yes, they, they did. did. Yeah, okay. It's, it was only a few weeks ago, but it's actually been... So much stuff happening since then. We've got to uh, cover that as well. We'll also be talking about the FFA Cup later in this episode. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, that grand final Sunday, Gold Coast Knights and Olympic, that was 
a fantastic spectacle. And I think it just, it closed that specific competition out with a massive bang. Yeah. Yeah, look, that's the, I think the whole final series, I think, I think because the top four was set, you know, a long time ago, and, you know, that sort of, a lot, and I was well thought now for a long way out that those, those four teams in the finals were going to be playing, you know, with relative different form lines and, you know, and just form in general. But um, I guess it's a bit of a shock that Lions getting knocked over um, in the semi-final by Olympic. But look, um, Olympic was almost, you know, they threw everything into beating Lions, you know. It's the first win in five. And look, but and then on the other side of the draw, you had Gold Coast, who, you know, finished 21 games unbeaten, you know, to close out the season. And so obviously they deserved, you know, to win the grand final. Three fantastic games. And one thing that I noticed big time was Gold Coast Knights. While they started both the semi-final and the grand final, really on the front foot, pressuring their opponents, it paid absolute dividends in both games. So put Peninsula Power away in the first 60 minutes. I know they came back into it late, but they really put that game to bed early and the fast start against the Olympic was telling as well. So it was really, really interesting to see how they approached both those games, given they've had so long to think about it. Because as Adam said, those four teams have been lined up to play each other for a while. And it was, you know, big credit to Gray Pittock assembling yeah. that squad and really mounting a proper assault all throughout the season. And in the end, it was rewarded with a tactical masterclass in that grand yeah. final where you, like you saw the way they set up, they frustrated what was just the free-flowing attack of Olympic. And look, Nothing nothing against the way that Ben Khan set out yeah. uh, his team there. It was just a case of Gold Coast executed their plan yeah. better on the day. And I think that stems from the fact that that side's been together for a long time. A lot of those players were former Gold Coast City players, obviously great predict coach back in the NPL Queensland a couple of years prior. So a lot of these players have played together for a long time. So that continuity can really help you in terms of setting up tactics like you're mentioning there, James. Yeah. But I think also as well, you know, from Gold Coast Line's point of view, we, there's so much talk about their, their front, their front third, you know, their, their, you know, even their midfield, you know, Mitch Nichols and Max Brown, who's had, both had outstanding seasons. But the one player that stood up in my mind uh, in this final series was Oscar Dillon. Yeah. He showed what a quality young defender he is. And look, you know, he, he, he could be anything. Yeah. I think these, these two finals games, he really started, including that ma- magnificent free kick. That was yeah. the game-winning goal. And that second half he had in the grand final, because he had a couple of really big challenges as well. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Matt Smith, his partner, was very heavily involved in the organisation of it. Yeah. But Dylan, I think, just in terms mm-hmm. of highlights, he probably put together a yeah. real co- uh, that would have filled out a whole year's worth of yeah. highlights there. For me, by far, the standout player of the final series. The, the performance he put in uh, down at the Carrara Creation Sports Centre against Prince Power in the semi-final, he was the best player on the park in that game, and his goal... For the, in the grand final, it turned out to be the winner. Of course, it was a fantastic way to play, and his defending in the grand final was really good as well. So, to me, he definitely was the player of the final series. And also, I will take a brief pause from making fun of Mitch Nichols to give him plenty of credit for his effort in the grand yep. final as well. If you listen to our um, NPL post game from Perry Park uh, <laughs> a week ago, you heard um, Great Pittick mention that he was injured in that game and was able to just pick his spots. And I think it shows, like, you know, there's still some questionable yeah. decision making there, but. He has matured yeah. as a player. Oh, look, he's come back and he's been, he's been a marvellous asset, not only to um, Gold Coast Knights, but also to the league in general. Like, you know, you would have thought that, you know, coming back from a, as a professional, you know, putting in, you know, and I, I hear he's, you know, he's paid, you know, handsomely, you know, for this level. But you know what? You can't, you can't for a second question his desire. He, he wanted to play football. He led from the front. And look, and you know, a lot of the success that Knights have had this season is because of him. And they needed him in that grand final as well because they were down to 10 men and for the whole second half. So they really needed him after Jared Kyle's 
moment of madness. So they needed their key players to step up, and he most certainly was one of the players who did that. And that was the advantage they had playing from in front as well. So congratulations, Gold Coast Knights, mm -hmm. NPL champions, and Lions were NPL premiers. But uh, before we finish off with our NPL wrap, I do want to uh, make a special mention of Rafe Griffin as well, who's signed yep. off as a full-time commentator yep. for Football Queensland with the call of that grand final. And I was involved in the pre-game, half-time and post-game with Simon Smale. And, you know, it's just been... Really good learning from Rafe this year in my first year of doing commentary and essentially learning on the job. He's not going to like the accolades and that, but no, nah, he... Look, uh, Rafe, I've known for a number of years, you know, and he, you know, the voice of Queensland football, simple as that, you know, and like I say, he's obviously getting me well involved in the game. Um, but yeah, no, I think we'll miss him as a commentator, but also the opportunities have rise as well. An absolute private commentator. I'm sure you'll hear him on the Fox Sports coverage of the W League and maybe even the A League this season. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if... You're like me and still learning on learning uh, to be a commentator yeah. as well. You could do a lot worse than listening to some of Rafe's calls as well. So, uh, He's been doing it for a long time as well. He started off in the very first year of the MPL calling games. So. Yeah, I forget who the first game he had was. I know He mentioned it in the broadcast, mm. but if you didn't get the chance, actually go back and uh, watch that grand final as well and listen to Rafe's call as well because he shows like he's an absolute pro anyway, but um, I don't, don't want to pump his ego up too much here. <laughs> Let's get on to the game that we've just watched, which is the NPLW Grand Final. And Lions became the only team in Queensland to complete a, a Football Queensland competition's double yep. uh, with a 3-1 win in the Grand Final tonight. It was a great game from them as well, wasn't it? They had to come back from 1-0 down at halftime. They were playing really well in that first half. I mean, they were really putting Mortenbaugh under pressure. and They probably should have scored before halftime, but... The quick double strike after halftime, and they were on their way after that. Yeah, something clicked in that in those first five minutes yeah. of the second half, and in the end, it was a big move uh, there, and two goals. That second one as well that came from the charge down clearance by Mariel Hecker, Hecker yep. who we will hear from in a little while. Uh, that just really swung the momentum there. Yeah, look, uh, it's actually it's ironic that uh, Lions did a Morton Bay on Morton Bay. Like they going into the semi the semi final last week, um, Morton Bay were down were down 1-0, a similar position than was against the gap. And um, there, then there was two quick-fire goals in pretty much in the same minutes as well that, uh, that turned the tide there. So, um, yeah, look, Lions have been, you know, I think consistently yeah, the best team in the league. They had a bit of a, you know, their only loss was to the gap. Um, but, yeah, that's well in control. And, yeah, but also as well, I think Morton Bay, they deserve to be. I think we saw the top two teams yeah. in the league at the moment battle out tonight and the commiserations to Morton Bay. Um, but congratulations to uh, Lions. Yeah, these were the two best teams of the season. I think this game actually sums it up really well that Lions were just a little bit more polished and it's a little bit more, just a little bit better of a side than Morton Bay United. But there's nothing against Morton Bay who have had a fantastic season with some terrific players. Look, Riley Bayson might be the best player of the season in the National Premier League Queensland women's with the impact she's had for that side. So they've had a great season. It's funny, Suika impact of um, Riley Bayston, um, she was pretty much a non-event tonight. And that, I think it's more a credit to um, the Lions' you know, defence, you know, yep. especially Kane Clough and uh, Winnie he Healy. I think they, they did a real good job um, nullifying her. She had one one chance, breakaway chance, that um, in the end uh, Cassie Zafina saved. But, um, yeah, look, overall, I think that's where the game was probably won and lost is that, you know, it was that the Lions were able to nullify that, you know, that sharp attack you know, led by Riley Bazin to lift the St. Lira Toby. Yeah, and it, I think that's actually the story of the two NPL grand finals that we've seen. It was Jez Lofthouse getting really crowded out in that uh, NPL grand final in this one tonight. Yeah. It was Riley Bazin just really having to work probably harder than uh, she would have wanted to yeah. to try and have an impact in this game. And you made the point the other key player, what they have up front, Alira Toby, was kind of a non-event as well. 
in terms of they were probably looking for her to make oh, yeah, runs, make runs in behind the defence, but didn't really get the opportunity to do that. But Lions stifled her, so it was a bit difficult for that front third, which we know is a tremendously talented front third that Morton Bay possess. Yeah, that was one thing that um, I think I pointed out early in the second half, where Toby was trying to play, uh, she was getting a lot of ball with her back to goal, which, mm. you know, it's still something, uh, it's still part of a game that I think probably needs to develop a little bit more, but, like, her strength is, as we saw in that semi-final, is running on to through balls yeah. and uh, finish, finishing them with aplomb, yeah. and that's something that, you know, hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more of this W League season. Yeah, look, I think as well, um, yeah, Catherine O'Neill as well, for Lions as well, probably also deserves a special mention, because she was the one who really sort of, you know, pressured and was there to sort of really sort of hassle and antagonise, you know, Alira yeah. Toby as much as you can call it that yeah. this evening. And look, that, and that's pretty much, again, that's where the game, the, the goal the goal that uh, Morton Bay did score was from a set piece, cracking strike from Lauren Askin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, other than that, um, the Lions, I guess their defence have had that under control. Well, we talk about individual players and Lions, I thought Tegan Riding had a fantastic second half the way she came out, scored a couple of goals, could have scored even more, but it really just capped off what was a bit terrific season for her. If, if Riley Baisden wasn't the best player in the league this season, Tegan Riding was because the pair of them swapped goals. They were, they were right there, neck and neck from memory for that golden boot and two terrific strikers. And it was great to see Tegan cap off her season tonight with a couple of goals. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it was, I think the best way to describe it, it was a very professional performance from yeah. Lions to close things out. They completed the double and, um, yeah, I think the celebration is going to continue quite a lot I here. I think they're Lions. definitely continuing on the other side of that border there. Yeah, we're going to see how good these um, I'd say pretty cheap headsets that we've got <laughs> yeah. at um, cancelling out background noise, but uh, we'll have to play that one by ear, I think. Yeah, look, uh, it's, it, it, yeah, it is a thin wall. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely been you know a really good season all around. It's been, I suppose if there was one thing I would say that, you know, that yeah. I hope is uh, different in 2020 is that gap between the top and the bottom of the league and all leagues, actually, yeah isn't as uh, wide as it was uh, this this uh, this year and yeah. pro- probably even last as well. It's become a real trend, isn't it? There's a few teams right at the top who are really competitive with each other and there's another few teams just below that who are competitive on their day with those top teams but often just a little bit underneath them. And then you've got the teams at the bottom who are struggling. Hopefully it does level out a little bit, but you're right, there's a couple teams out the top who are clearly very strong compared to the rest. Yeah, definitely. And there's a way that, you know, I'm sure that, you know, teams will have all their recruitments and whatnot ready to go for the uh, new season. New season kicks off in two weeks, doesn't it, the new season? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, we'll, we'll try and keep everyone up to date on our socials with all the player movements as best as we can. But, um, yeah, we've got an A-League season to worry about coming up. In What's about that? A- What's that? Yeah, def- yeah, well, exactly. We've kind of got to remember that the yeah. Roar back in business before too long. We'll we should mention that. they had a 4-1 win tonight up in Harvey Bay. Against I thought that was segment three. Is it? Yes. Okay, we'll talk about that Spoiler as well. Alert. Had a great win tonight. Never mind me there. I just accidentally turned my microphone off, so... Great professional ending. What I was, was saying, that's why we're not actually up in Harvey Bay at the moment, and that's why we're here at Richlands, taking in a peaceful field now after quite a bit of action, because there was also the grand final before the NPLW that finished at, uh, that went to extra time. Yeah. Gold Coast under-20s. Yeah, you almost call us the eye of the storm. We've had the long NPL grand final day, and we're preparing now for the, the clash tomorrow between Lions FC and Campbelltown in the National Premier League's final series national, so... Yes, that'll be uh, handled by you two, as I believe I'll be uh, spending the day furniture shopping with my wife. So Have fun with that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying to 
not have a meltdown in the middle of Ikea, but we'll have to wait and see how that That's goes. a very difficult thing to avoid that. There's a lot of people who have meltdowns in Ikea. I recommend going to the food court, personally. It's that solves yeah, a lot of problems. I actually went to the Ikea for the first time uh, the other week. I didn't come <laughs> down, so... Actually, to be fair, it's not so much the Ikea shop. It's trying to build some of that furniture when you get those <laughs> blisters on your finger from the Allen keys. I, I did so refuse to. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've been going for a little while, so we're going to close out this segment by uh, quickly mentioning the FQPL. We should also say congratulations to Rochdale Rovers, who won the grand final 2-1 over the premier Sunshine Coast Wanderers. But we're going to close out this segment now with the uh, three interviews we were able to conduct on the field after the game. So I think there was... Uh, I think we interviewed Rob Askew, all three of us, with Whitney Houston in the background. I spoke to the victorious captain, Mariel Hecker, in the, uh, with Katy Perry featuring in the background. And I think you guys spoke to Cassie Zafina. With unconfirmed music in the background. I think it might have even been Katy Perry as well. I yeah. oh, have to on. listen to find out. Don't want to too many spoilers here. Come on, Scott. You, you know you love hot and cold. <laughs> All right, we're going to finish up with uh, yeah the press conferences. So here's what we're able to get on the field afterwards, and then we'll be back to discuss the FFA Cup, where Brisbane Strikers are into the semi-finals. This is a Brisbane Football Review. Congratulations. Ah, oh, thank you. What are your thoughts on that match, General? Oh, I think it was um, a really excellent performance by my side. I, I was um, delighted with their with it overall. We had a game plan, and I think we. They executed it perfectly and it, and it worked for us um, well. I mean, I think the only thing that let us down in that first half is that we probably could have been a bit calmer in uh, those moments and, and gone into halftime with two or three goals under our belt. But um, that's finals and I think I think we were a bit anxious and, and that was reflected in that, the way that worked out. But they settled themselves and they came out and rectified it. What did you say at half-time? It seemed like a completely different side after half-time. Well, I just said that, um, no, it was basically what I just said then. I just think, you know, don't don't get anxious. Don't let that affect your decision-making. You need to be calm in the important moments, and uh, and that's exactly what they did. The first goal was a great example of, you know, not letting blood rush to the head. They, they excellent combination up the field and, and laid it off for a simple finish, and same with the second one. And uh, I just think they, they got their head in the right place and... Um, and, and, it was, and, and we got what we deserved because I felt we dominated the game. Uh, how nervous were you when that uh, first goal was getting reviewed for offside? Oh, no. I was okay. If you're going to concede, conceding early is a good time. You know, you've got plenty of time to, to get it back. I'd be more nervous if we conceded in the 88th minute. But um, I knew that there was plenty of time to get it right. And, and I felt that we were playing well. So there was no reason to panic at that point. And, uh, yeah. And you're able to do the double. Just on the season as a whole, how proud are you of your side? Oh, extremely proud. Um, you know, it is not an easy thing to do the double, and we've gone through the season losing just the one game. Um, so they've been re- really consistent and um, really um, receptive to, to, to coaching and, and taking on ideas. And uh, I think I'm really, I'm, I'm extremely proud of the whole group. They've done fantastic. And your centre back pairing tonight, O'Neill and Heatley, they were really, really strong. Uh, what do you make of their performance? Uh, they're perfect. You know, um, I just think Winnie is, has done extremely well tonight. In, and not just Winnie, I think, you know, we talk about the centre-backs. The centre-backs did well, but, you know, they have a, a very dangerous player in Riley Bayston and um, Winnie double-teamed uh, along with Cannon Clough and uh, I think they, they made it very difficult for Riley to have an impact on the game. And uh, how nice is it getting to celebrate in front of the fans here? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, it's, it's, and it's a, it's a great venue for it, uh, for a final. There was a lot of people here tonight, and we had a perfect surface, and both teams were able to put on a beautiful performance on, a, on an excellent playing surface. Uh, one more. 
you mentioned the defenders, but Tegan riding up front, the impact she had on well, this game and generally on your side this season. Yeah, well, look, I hate, I don't really like to, to, to um, single out any individual player because I think every single player had a fantastic game, but we, were, we felt that Tegan made it, might have had the best game of the season tonight. Just the work ethic and, um, and, and running things down and making it difficult for them to get any comfortable position to play out from the back one. But, you know, at the same time, so Tanisha Stanley, Whitney um, and uh, Marielle on the other side and, and Sophie when she came on as well, as well as, as all the midfielders, right through, right through to, to Cassie at the back, they, they all did exactly what was asked of them to 100% of the ability and, and they got what they deserved. And uh, so it's been a really long season for everyone. How long are you guys going to celebrate and when do you start planning for 2020? Well, planning for 2020 happen, is happen, happening already. You can't wait because, you know, teams that have been out for a while, they're already out there uh, recruiting. And, um, you know, we've lost Tiana Karambasis to, um, to an ACL re- uh, injury last week and we've got Beck moving to the Sunshine Coast. So we, we need to bring in players. We'll, we'll bring in some from the 18s as well. And um, so we're planning. We're, we're already underway on that. But, but I'm looking forward to a couple of months break. I, I really look forward to these next two months because it's been a long, a long season. And, uh, yeah, you need a little, little bit of time to get your headspace right. So you're hopeful of keeping the majority of these players together then, building on this season? I would like to keep as many as I can. Um, you know, obviously, that, you know, I know my, I've been involved in women's soccer for 26 years and there's always turnover. There's always players going out and there's always players coming in. But, you know, we'll start having those conversations pretty much now. So... Yeah, I am really hopeful of keeping the core of the group at the very least. Hopefully you can celebrate before you start this conversation. Congratulations. Thanks. Cheers, mate. Thank you, guys. All right, joined by Mariel Hecker. Congratulations on the victory. Thank you very much. It was a tough game out there, but you guys responded after halftime. Well, we always knew it was going to be hard against Moreton Bay, and there was we were trying so hard, we couldn't store at the first half, so we, were, we went in for our time, and we were like, we need to slow down and just be more composed and finish. And then it was just too quick, and then we were very lucky to score those two goals. So, and then it was just controlling the goal from the game from that. So, pretty pleased. Yeah. So, was anything special said at halftime? Did you do the uh, spray on the team, or did you leave that all to Rob? I think everyone was kind of like, we're doing really well. We just need to do a little bit more. And everyone was king. So, I think it was just everyone really wanted to win, and it was very lucky that we scored very early. So, I think it just pumped everyone up. And the two goals in quick succession, did you feel like once that second one went in, it was just a case of closing it out for you now? I believe so. As soon as he scored the second goal, I was like, well, that's it. Now we just need to control the game and pace. So, And we were controlling the game at the first half as well. So I think we managed well, as we've been doing the whole season. Credit to Rob as well. He's been doing a fantastic job. And I think we just we did our job, and I think we deserve a win. And uh, how important was it to complete the double in front of your fans here at Lions? Uh, I think it was amazing, to be honest. I think... At the end of the season, we didn't play very well. We had two draws and a loss. So I think we would be like, oh, I really need to do a little bit better. We had such a tough game against Goko. So completing a 3-1-0, the great final. In front of everyone, I think it was amazing. Everyone's pretty happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) These celebrations are getting a little bit wild here. So I'll finish off with just one more. So what are you looking forward to for 2020 now? Well, it's it's a tough year for my personal life. I'm going to try to be playing and probably... Keep it Lions. I like the club. We've been playing for the club for three years, so my plan so far is still in here, but keep a, still still on the talk, I would say. All right, well, congratulations. Go enjoy the celebration. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Thank you. How would you sum up this game generally? 
that's the same game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the game was um, very entertaining. We're both such attacking sides. I think we both deserve to be here. I think they came out firing. Credit to Hannah and the girls. I think they've done a, an amazing job. But never for a second did I have a doubt that we were going to get the win. Um, just half time. Rob came in there and said, said what he always says, which came out firing. So. So he gave a really inspirational message at halftime. Then. He just said, you know, we know that we're a good team. We deserve to be here. We've done well all year. And, um, yeah, as I said, the girls work so hard and it's good to get the win. I heard your own game made a couple of really important saves for the side tonight. Yeah, um, I like to think so. But um, once again, you know, my, my team, they have my back so much. And I knew that if I could just pull off those a few crucial saves that it would keep the, the game at bay. And if we scored one or two, which I had full belief we would, get us across the line. It's been a fantastic season your side of life. Just Thank the one you. loss of the season has been a fantastic run. Yeah, we've done really well. Rob's done an amazing job. Um, credit to the club as well. We get treated like absolute professionals here and, yeah. That's really important though, isn't it, to be treated like professional helps you on the field performance-wise? Yeah, 100%. We're treated just as equally as the boys and the club's done such a great job in getting us to where we are, so much deserved. There's plenty of celebrations ahead tonight. Yeah, there will be. Can't wait. Congratulations. No worries. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here on the deck at Lions FC after the NPLW Grand Final. And uh, before we get on with it, we should probably do a couple of quick plugs. So email is brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, topics you want us to cover in each episode. Uh, Facebook, The Raw Review. We're still trying to change that to Brisbane Football review and twitter is at bne football uh follow comment whatever and uh what was it? what else was there oh yeah podcast itunes spotify wooshka raiders review us we welcome all feedback as long as it's positive and uh yeah we'll get on with uh, our ffa cup recap which saw brisbane strikers become the first queensland team into the ffa cup semi-finals after beating Moreland zebras 3-2 and it was one hell of a match that, uh, yeah, could have really gone either way. But credit to Strikers, they finished the job. Yeah, look, it was, um, look, it was a really entertaining game. I think it was actually probably the uh, pick of all four uh, quarterfinals, to be honest. Um, but look, I um, want to give credit first to Moreland. I think for a Tier 2 club that you know, are out of season, they really, really put on, you know, they put up a fight against Strikers. I think Strikers are always here going as favourites, um, despite sort of struggling, but they've been in form in MPL Queensland. But, geez, I tell you what, you know, Moreland gave it a fair shake. That's early that second half, it really looked like they would really turn the game around. And so the lot, when, um, when Strikers got that third goal, just after Moreland got their goal back. That was absolutely crucial because it was around that point in the game where Moreland Zebras were coming right back into it. And I agree with you. I was really impressed with them, the way they played. It's not a side that we really knew too much about in terms of the player personnel. Obviously, Fraser Chalmers is one who we know up here as a goalkeeper, former Brisbane Royal Youth, Brisbane Strikers goalkeeper. But apart from that, it was really unknown players. And the guy they had up front, whose name unfortunately escapes me, yeah, the what, big a, number nine, I what think. a terrific player he was. Making plenty Nicholas, of runs in behind. He was, Nicholas Nigorian. He was an absolute handful, and you can absolutely see why. He's one of the top players in the second division of Victoria. I was really impressed with him. Yeah, definitely. Although, um, yeah, I thought... Actually, I want to go back to the start of the game quickly and just talk about that, because when Moreland came out like a house on fire, I think their plan was a little bit similar to what we saw with Gold Coast Knights in that grand final, which was just get out on the get out on the front foot, try and take a lead, and then just hold on for dear life. But uh, Strikes managed to... Whole, like, Strikes managed to uh, get on with it, su- survive the early onslaught, and then 
slowly claw their way back into the game, and they were rewarded with a goal for Fraser Hills. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great bit of play as well from him. He and Ryan Palmer, they were absolutely brilliant the way they combined all, all night long in those wide areas, making the runs in behind, because Moreland played a back three in that game, and there was plenty of space for them to make runs in behind on the counter, and they absolutely exploited that during the game. And that's where at least the first two goals, and maybe even the third one came from as well. Really important impact from those two players. I think also as well, it is funny that um, that Moreland did uh, switch to a back three, which I think was a lot um, to do with trying to nullify Andy Pengelly, which, you know, that, that's going to be a feather in uh, his cap. But, you know, obviously that, play, that teams are now starting to structure their... Um, their defence around stopping you know, a guy who scored 50 goals this season. Um, but look, the, the, I think the most pleasing thing I think for Owen Baker would have been the fact that you know the guys like Fraser Hills and uh, Ryan Palmer actually were able to go on the score sheet and they weren't heavily reliant on Andy Bengali, who probably would have been on the score sheet had it not been some great saves from Fraser Chalmers. Yeah, and Fraser Chalmers, like, he gave up three goals, but it could have very easily been yeah. 10, 11, 12. But he had just some absolutely phenomenal saves, as did Bon Scott. He did absolutely. Bon Scott's been an absolute unsung hero. Well, not really because he's been highly pl- highly credited for his performance. But he's been In abs- part because of his name. He, but he's been absolutely brilliant in this cup campaign for the Brisbane Strikers. The way he's, obviously, you think back to the penalty saves he made against Wellington in the round 32, some big saves against Manly United in the round 16. And you're right, some really important saves again against Moreland. So he's, he's another one who's really put his name up in light. So he's looking at players who potentially could springboard out of this Brisbane striker side into the A-League. Obviously, Andy Pengelly is the first one that springs into anyone's mind, but Bond Scott's not far behind him as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, also Michael McGowan at the back, yeah. he was very strong as well. It was a really tough assignment marking... Um, Adam, help me out here. Uh, Nicholas Negorian. Thank you very much. Um, I'm glad yeah. I'm not the only one who completely blanked on his name. Yeah. Apologies, because he had a terrific game. Yeah, exactly. And he was very central to their plans as well. There was a lot of played into uh, the big striker, Negorian, and just try and get him to feed off the players. But I think Owen Baker as well, the way he set that side up, there was a very clear plan to try and hit those long diagonal balls and take advantage of the space. And we saw Hiroki Amori and Chris Ma just yeah. overlapping down yeah. the flanks and just working yeah. in so much space as well. And that's what worked so well for strikers there. So just before we talk about that, you mentioned Michael McGowan. The impact he's having on that type, particularly young Matt Richardson, who's taken a huge step forward this year. You can tell that Michael McGowan's really done some good work with him as a leader. But you're right, those, those diagonal balls into the wide areas. I mentioned Palmer and Hill's were in those spaces. So too were Ma and Amori. You're right. The, they did exploit those areas really well. I'm just really glad because I remember the uh, Strikers uh, Phoenix game. I actually highlighted Hiroki Amori to a friend from work and he was just and he was like, oh, who do I keep an eye out for? And I was like, well, obviously Pengeli and also keep an eye on Amori and he's mm-hmm. had a fantastic FFA Cup campaign so far, so I'm feeling psychic. Yeah, look, um, Amori, Amori, we've known for for a while. You know, is a very, very good player. I think, you know, hey, hey, not, you know, hey, not be a Australian resident. Which I, I mean, he's been here for a while, so I'm surprised there hasn't been he'd more. He'd be close, that. wouldn't he? He'd be, he'd be close, but look, yeah. we've known it for a while that he is a very, very good player. I think it's, I think it's that being designated a visa player might be what's holding him yeah. back from making a league because you know what. On potential and sort of ability, he definitely would be there. And especially, you know, having a competent attacking fullback is, you know, they're not so common in football in Australia at the moment. And you mentioned it then. John Aloisi was really looking at him back. I don't know if it was his first year or his second year in the job, but he was really looking at him as a player who could come in. I think he even trained with Raw for a couple of weeks. And then, obviously, unfortunately, you're right, the visa issue with Raw already having their five visa players filled up. It meant there wasn't a spot for him, but he's a terrific player as well. Definitely. And the way that he's 
you know, been really adopted by the Strikers faithful as well. Mm. I'm not sure that move to the Raw would have proved to be too <laughs> popular there. No, the Raw aren't the most popular team around Perry Park, that is for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's almost like there's some sort of, you know, innate rivalry between those two clubs. <laughs> can't, I can't work out why. Yes. Mm, something like that. Anyway, more on the Raw a little bit later, but... More on that rivalry, hopefully, in future years as well, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, I was so hoping hopefully. for that Raw Strikers quarterfinal. Well, <laughs> look, there's always next year. Yeah. Anyway... Um, yeah, so Strikers now, they turn their attention to a semi-final Tuesday, October 1st at Perry Park against Melbourne City, who haven't been there since the uh, debut of Cahill FC. And um, I almost called that KFC. But <laughs> yeah, Cahill FC, they played Strikers there, and I believe they won that game 2-1 on the back of two penalties, where, and after Greg Hensley had the yes. opener. Yes. Yeah, it was Greg Hensley who was hero and villain about five minutes that in that game. Look, I, look, I just hope, you know, that, you know, especially, you know, the significance of Strikers being the first Queensland club to make it to, um, to the semi-finals, made the last four of the FFA Cup. I hope that they absolutely pack out Perry Park on the 1st of October, because look, it deserves it. Um, and also as well, you know, yeah, Melbourne City, they're going to be tough. There's no doubt about it, especially they're getting this season, um, and it would be, and Strikers will start massive underdogs, but you know what, the Magic of the Cup, yeah, just don't know what's going to happen. This is a side that, you know, if, if they're on song, they can really trouble them. I'm not sure what ground you think they're playing at. They play at the park, the pre out. Oh, yeah, where going sorry. But yeah. the most important thing for this semi-final is for these MPL VA League sides, it's the first 25 minutes. Only once has the MPL side gone through that period without considering a goal. So if you can get through that period, you can absolutely start putting doubt in the back of the mind of of the A-League side because most of these semi-finals are pretty much finished after 25 minutes when yeah. there's one or two goals and it's then very difficult for the MPL side to fight back given they are out of season of course now the strikers will be out of season the best part of two months almost yeah. so they finished in like late June and this game is in September so it's going to be a fair old period of time early August sorry yeah I was going to yeah say. early August the strikers finished their season but it's well, been, late been, August was it 31st no, of August is when they appeal? Oh, well, it's still a fair while since they played their, yeah. played their last game, so it's a very difficult thing for them. But if you can avoid conceding that early goal and you put doubt in the mind of Melbourne City, they've got the strike power to to do something. And we've seen, obviously, we've seen Andy Pengelly all season long. We saw Fraser Hills and uh, Ryan Palmer in the game on Wednesday night. And they've also got young Zach Maltby, who came off the bench against Gold Coast Knights with a couple of goals. And he's another one to keep an eye on. Young player who can make runs in behind. Keep an eye on him as well for this game in the semi-final. And that sort of impact sub as well, Zach Malpe. But I wanted to go back and talk mm. about Andy Pengelly because you're going to hear Owen Baker's uh, press conference in a couple of minutes. But I do quickly want to mention, you know, uh, preface it a little bit. He, Owen mm-hmm. did mention in that press conference that um, he felt like um, Orland maybe paid a little bit too much attention to Andy Pengelly. And I feel like that's going to be the first thing that Melbourne City try and do as well is say, all right, mm. we're not going to let Andy Pengelly be the one that beats us. So mm. the question is, do strikers say, all right, well, we're going to let Pengeli step up against A-League opposition and show his true value, or are we going to be smart about this and go and try and make um, make the rest of the team step up? Because, let's be honest, it is still a team game, football. And, you know, will we see guys like Fraser Hill stepping up again? Look, I'm not, I'm not so certain that Melbourne City will change much to try and counter a certain player. I think, um, obviously, Moreland being you know, a level below so if you can call it that, we're always going to try and sort of take the chances on, you know, maybe, you know, crowding out Pengeli and you know, him with the count. I think Melbourne City, I think, I think they'll be fairly um, comfortable with who they put up in such defence. If they if they go, we haven't obviously seen much of them this season, so I don't know what Eric Mombert's is tactically going to how they set up, but I would think that 
it, it goes from the hunter, the hunter to the hunter, I think. Um, whereas Melbourne City, I think they will sit back, they'll do what they need to do. It's strikers who have to change up yeah. the, the, the tactics and you know, change up the strategy to try and sort of, you know, pinch one. Because I think, as Scott said, I completely agree. If they can stay in the game in the first 25 minutes, they're, they're, their chances you know, increase. But you know, if, if, they, if they're behind inside that period, yeah, it's, it's probably gone. If it goes to penalties, I'm just going to uh, flag this now. I don't know if my boss even listens to this, but I'm taking Wednesday off if it goes to penalties <laughs> after that. Fair enough. But look, this will be the game that all of the uh, A-League clubs will keep an eye on because this is a great test. If Andy Pengelly can perform against the Melbourne City side, who will be flying at this point, I think they've got their Melbourne Derby week one, don't they? Yeah, exactly. So they, will be, they may even have one eye on that, which is, a, which is a potential avenue for Brisbane strikers. But if he can perform in this game, a big game against an A-League side who are ready for their A-League season... Semi-final, that could be the spring ball for him to get an A-League opportunity because his season's more than good enough and he's, this is a big opportunity for him. And also, not just him, you've got Bond Scott we talked about earlier and the whole side. If you can perform and play a really good game in this game, it could absolutely open up doors for you. This is, this is the biggest stage that you know, a, a, you know, a MPL level player will play against you know, a semi-final broadcast on national TV against you know, a top A-League team. You know, performing that, and you know what, you can, you know, you're almost, you're putting yourself in the shop window. I think that's that's the thing that Andy Pengelly, especially, you know, he needs to do. I will say, we haven't seen much of Melbourne City this year. I did watch their game against Campbelltown in round 32, and they're not, they're pretty good. Look, they, oh, yeah. they're, they're the two the two import players playing the wide area are dangerous players, the Uruguayans, they're quite good. The fr- Berenger, who was a disappointment last year, he played quite well. McLaren... Looked pretty Sean sharp, McLaren. but they've got weaknesses in the back line for me. Particularly, again, I'll say this again, but I'm not a big fan of Harrison Delbridge. I think you can get at him. He's a bit slow for me, and I, I think that if Pengelly or even some of those attacking midfielders can get running at him, there's an avenue that you can exploit there, I believe. All right, there and we watch, go. And watch out for that guy, no one. He's not bad either. Nah. Yeah. Well, I, what is it? He's scored four goals in this competition already. Yeah, he's equal top um, with McLaren and with Chris McLaren, Yep, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Well, no, Craig, Craig Noon, I should say. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a running joke that we'll have all season long. But yeah, just just a forewarning for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to close out this segment with uh, Owen Baker's press conference, and then after that, we'll come back with our final segment, which is going to be, well, basically a raw catch-up. This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back later. So, Owen, through to the semi-finals. Pretty happy with that. Yeah, delighted. Uh, obviously, uh, we uh, we wanted to create history tonight. That was uh, that was our goal, and uh, you know the lads have done that. So now we've got to try and dream again and see if we can make a final. And the draw with uh, Melbourne City, um, that's going to be here. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I think you see tonight that the crowd and the support was fantastic. So hopefully, we can get an even bigger crowd for Melbourne City. So you guys had to weather a bit of a storm early from uh, Moreland. How important was that getting through that opening 10 minutes where they really came at you? Yeah, vital. We knew they were going to come out and press. Um, and, we, and we said we had to, first 20 minutes, we had to manage the game and try and break their press. So I think to go in at 2-0, you know, we did exceptionally well. Um, but then, and then, then second half, I thought we were definitely the better team and probably should have killed the game off to make it 4-1, 5-1. Um, so... Almost slightly disappointed we didn't do that, but it just made a nervy end. So the lads showed a lot of character in the end. And your goals came <coughs> from people not named Andy Pengelly, who obviously has dominated the headlines a lot uh, this season. How important was it to get the contributions from elsewhere? Well, I think Andy would admit himself it's it's been a team effort anyway. So I think team I think Moreland probably focused on Andy too much tonight, and uh, you know allowed other people to be free. Looking ahead to the semi final, you got a couple of weeks off. How are you going to manage that in terms of keeping the players sharp between now and then? 
Well, I think the, the motivation won't be a problem because the potential is to make a final of the FFA Cup, which has never been done before. So uh, in terms of our training loads and management, we'll have to manage that. We'll have to organise the game. Um, but first of all, we're just going to enjoy this moment. Proud moment for the club being the first Queensland team into the semi-finals. Yeah, massive. Uh, you know, the club's, I think I've, I've said it before, the last few months it's come alive again, um, being back on the national stage. Um, so we're, we're proud to be there. Um, so it's, it's been great. What do you put this sort of resurgence? You know, the, you know, the start of the season was like bad, but the end of the season has been great. And now this sort of, you know, sort of what's same cup run, what's been the key to that other change? Um, we probably had a, a, a change of fortune all in one week where we, we had a few players back, come back from injury. Um, we got a good result in the league. We beat Lions away and then we, we, we beat, um, excuse me, we beat um, Mackay. So we had a week that sort of changed our season that, and uh, and then we were able to build a bit of momentum. So once we started building momentum in the cup, I think uh, the boys grabbed that because we knew we could never make finals in the league. So this is the this is the thing that we grabbed onto. <clears throat> um, bon Scott made a couple of sublime saves in the second half. That was game changing, really, because yeah. they and some had started to change a little bit. I mean, yeah. he's just a top performer, isn't he? Because he didn't have a huge amount to do before that. When he got called upon, he was just superb. Yeah, and that's what good goalkeepers do. And I think their goalkeeper was the busier of the goalkeeper and had a good had a good night. But um, Bond's done game-defining saves in all of our cup games so far. So we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Bond. Um, you know, but you know that's that's what that's what he's there to do. That's why he's got the gloves. <laughs> yeah. um, Scott Halliday as well. Like, I was really impressed with the way he was able to really control that midfield. And he's still yeah. a young player. You kind of forget because he's been around the traps in NPL Queensland for a few years now. But he is still a young player. But he really stepped up then. And um, would you expect him to be able to still do that against A League opposition? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the uh, that's the excitement now, isn't it? You know, we 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 done it against Wellington. Um, we've had three hard games um, in between and, and, and now we've got a massive opportunity and, and chance to do it against another good quality uh, Melbourne City team. So uh, I believe some of these players deserve chances to make uh, another step to the A-League and more trials. So what better way to do it than against them in the FFA Cup semi-final? <laughs> uh, so 3-2 defeat, can you get your initial thoughts on the match? Uh, very high tempo, yeah, excellent. Um, the strikers were just fantastic. Good, good on the park, good on the ball. Really, you know, fast tempo. We were expecting that, um, but I think they just put a little bit more than what we expected. So, um, yeah, great look, great result for them. Excellent result. Could have gone maybe a little bit easier for us in the first half if we had put um, a couple of opportunities away. Um, but yeah, look, coming here, we always knew it was going to be a, you know a good game plan against a really good team. So. Hence why they're in the, the next round, and uh, you know we're, we're not. But yeah, no, it was it was the best that we could we could put out on the night. You guys started off really quickly as well. Was that uh, a plan to try and get a lead and then try to defend it? Yeah, look, we we obviously we've watched a lot of their games, a lot of analysis, and um, we you know they definitely like playing out from the back because they're good at it. And we thought if we could just avoid that and um, have the ball kicked um, out by the goalkeeper. Um, we'll probably get a 50-50 in the middle and then we can attack that again, knowing that their full-backs were going to bomb on. We'll probably leave, leave a little bit of space for us um, to, to attack um, in, uh, in transition when we had won the ball back. But uh, look, you know, that, that's what it was. And, and yes, and we had to get onto it straight away. Uh, there was no sitting back. Uh, you sit back against uh, Brisbane, yeah, you're going to be in trouble.
He had a fair shout for a penalty in about, about, after about 10 minutes. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, look, I, I, I spoke to, to the player and um, he, he definitely thought it was a penalty. Um, he didn't put his hands... I mean, the fourth official said they were pu- uh, pushing each other. Oh, I actually didn't think so. I've looked at it on replay. At, you know, the referee's right there. He could, he could play it, but you know, you've really got to have the courage to, um, you know, to, to put down... A, you know, to give a penalty. Uh, I suppose not really early in the game, but, <clears throat> yeah, in the first half. I would have taken it. Um, we thought it was. You know, referee had other, um, you know, probably a different view than what we had, and, and obviously with the linesman next to him, probably with a bit of communication, he said play on. So, but yeah, once again, you know, we had the opportunities. Yes, we went one nil down, but you know, we had three or four opportunities. And uh, and if you don't put, and that's been our season, if you don't put those opportunities away, there's only so much you can absorb uh, absorb um, as a team. And uh, once again, teams like this, you need to capitalise when you get an opportunity. If not, that will still keep coming at you. There was that five-minute spell in the second half when uh, Bowman Scott, the striker's goalkeeper, pulled off a couple of very impressive yeah. saves. Did you feel that it just wasn't your day at that time? And well, that's I, yeah, well I, I turned around to the rest of the bench and I said uh, yeah, exactly that. I said, yeah, it just doesn't want to go in today. Um, but once again, it's been the story of our season, hence why our, our goal average hasn't been all that good. Um, yeah, look, you know, we, the momentum swings in games and, yeah, and it swung for them and, and Fraser Chalmers was fantastic for us in goals because we, we could have conceded another three or four. I mean, they were fantastic in the counter. Our boys were tiring a little bit because you know, we wanted to attack and, and just try to get the equaliser at least. Um, and unfortunately, when, when, we do, when we did score the, uh, and it was 2-1, we conceded straight away and that sort of, um, you know, sort of nulled down all that effort that we had put. Um, and that was purely, you know, playing... Uh, players not concentrating and setting up the way we discussed. Whereas, you know, like, like I said, I admire the Brisbane. There was a set rule, players stuck by it, and that was it. We knew their pattern, and they stuck by their pattern, and they believed in it, and that's, that's so important. And as a player, when you've got the ball, you know where to pass it because you trust the teammates going to be there, and they did that very well tonight. Your season has, lead season wrapped up a few weeks ago. Yep. How hard has it been keeping the boys up as far as physically and mentally for this challenge up here? Well, the believe it or not, the actual game, knowing it's an FFA, it was probably easier to get them uh, wide up for this game than in a league. Um, for, for some reason, you know, the FFA just lifts them to another level. Uh, but it has been tough, not just my boys, but in general. These guys go to work every day um, and, uh, and trying try to get them... Um, to train, which is easy, but making sure that you manage them right because they do physical work, you know, who works with concrete, who's a carpenter, who's a plasterer, um, and, yeah, and trying to back it up week in and week out. It's been, been tough this year. Uh, these boys are not used to having their, the, you know, the Wednesday uh, and then Saturday game and then back it up again with another FFA Cup game. Uh, so, yeah, look, but they've been fantastic to, to be with, um, you know, responded well. And as I said, coming to an FFA Cup game, they... Um, yeah, it was, look, it's very easy to put them on the park on FFA. You know, they were very motivated, very motivated. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. It's the third and final segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We're in season four, episode four or five at the moment. It's uh, James Scott and Adam here at Lions at Richlands, and... Very pleased that you've yeah. stuck with us through this podcast. It's been a long evening here, and mm. I hope we're still making sense. Yeah, anyway, it's time to switch focus to our bread and butter, isn't it? Yes, NPL's been great, but it's time to focus in on the A League once again. That's right. We're what about three, four weeks away from the 2019-2020 A League season starting. So, 
We're going to close out with a little bit of a raw catch-up and we'll start off with the news of the day with the raw in Harvey Bay playing a wide bay select team that uh, they wound up uh, running out 4-1 winners, but it wasn't exactly smooth sailing going into the uh, halftime break scores and then going down 1-0 just afterwards. No, it was not. They went down to a goal very early in the 50th minute. They continued a goal at 1-0 and they gave us all here thinking, what is going on up there? But a few minutes later, McCauley Gillespie equalised and Aaron Reed and got a goal. And most importantly, I think, for the Raw, Dylan Wenzel-Hall's got a brace. And he's coming back from a bit of an injury. It's, he's, it's a massive year for him. So to get a couple of goals, OK, this might not have been the greatest opposition, but a couple of goals under his belt is an important confidence boost for him. Well, to that I will say, it was still the opposition that kept them scoreless for a good Absolutely. 55 minutes. And we've seen some of these preseason friendlies where it was out of control very early on. And also, it's a great opportunity for Wenzel Halls as well, where if Aaron Holloway is still coming back from injury, it's a uh, quick, it's a good way for him to um, work his way back and try and earn a starting spot before um, before Holloway gets back in. Yeah, look, that's probably the one um, selection sort of dilemma that Robbie Fowler may have is that who who partners are Roy O'Donovan up front? We've seen um, seen Brad Inman. We've seen obviously we're still waiting for Aaron Holloway to to be fit. Um, Dylan he played in those early games, though. Yeah, right, Dil- Holloway, yeah. yeah Dil- Dylan Windsor Halls went down um, five minutes into the first preseason game against Redlands. So we haven't seen what he does. So two goals pretty much you know, on the bounce. Um, you know, it's probably his first full outing. Um, look, he may, he may have put himself sort of in chances to start you know, up front with um, with O'Donovan and Perth. Yeah, so just to give credit to the Wide Bay goal scorer, Jared Benia. Yes, that's right. And we should so also thank... Connor Rose from up there in Channel 7, Harvey Bay. So yeah. thanks for sending that through. So yes, we do mm. appreciate any and all assistance. We were yep. trying to get a uh, report from some one of the Raw fans that was up there on the ground, but uh, didn't quite work out there. So we're kind of just having to wing that a little bit. Uh, we will cover as well the news from last weekend, which was yes. the Raw's kit launch, where they, they played an internal trial match. but A big win for Team Aldred over Team Windsor Halls, I'm led to believe. Whoop-de-doo. Oh, yep. That was a score. I don't know what the score was, but apparently Team Aldred won. So there you okay, go. Yep, there we go. Uh, but we do want to. T- I do want to talk about the kits as well because oh, yes. I am a kit nerd as well. And I will say personally, I had one excellent one, which was the All Black kit. Yep. And I I don't know what the use is going to be for that. Maybe it's a Friday night special. They always wear it on Friday nights. Uh, I like the orange kit and the maroon kit. That grey one though, that's really going to have to grow on me. I feel like like white or silver. Mm. But why grey? That's just, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm not. Look, I'm not really fussed to be honest on it. Like, I, I I do like I do especially like the black kit. But I'm a I'm a black kit fan now across the world. So you find I, I'd almost pay for any any club's black yeah. kit except for maybe Real Madrid. <laughs> I will happily uh, buy a and Liverpool. I will happily be buying the Raw's that club black. doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> I will happily buy a raw uh, black kit when I find out if I can yeah. actually fit into a boys size 16 yeah. like I can with the Arsenal jerseys this year. I think that black kit's going to be universally popular. I have not heard a single person say anything other than that is a spectacular. And I agree, it does look great. I don't mind the home kit, the orange one. I don't mind the maroon kit. I agree with you about the grey, silver, whatever it is. It's grey. If it was, do you remember the one a couple of years ago where they had the white Ooh. kit with the really thin pinstripes? It's the, the white one. Only white if it was white. like that, they would. I would give them an. 9 out of 10 for these kits. I only say 9 and not 10. Is I'm just a real bugbear in mind. Is I don't know why you need four kits. That was actually that's, the, that's the one thing. I, I thought they look great. They absolutely do. And I'm sure they have a very particular reason for having the special event black kit. But I just, I'm a bit traditionalist. I, I would love to see them wear orange as much as possible. I hope they do wear orange as much as possible. But having these four kits intrigues me to see when they're going to use them. But they do look... They do look spectacular. I agree. And this is not a Raw-specific complaint. It's a football complaint. Absolutely. Now, I do not get why clubs need 
you know, a whole whole bunch of new kids. Yeah. Well, I know exactly why. Yeah, it's it's a, yeah, I can see. We all I'm, know why. I'm, I'm, it's I'm just a frustration. A, I'm doing a sign that is on a audio medium. Does that, that thing mean the taxes? Yeah. <laughs> oh come on, they're not. But like I said again, yeah. Look, I I agree what you missed what Scott say. Uh, what anyway. James saying that that's a football thing. Oh, it's I got football just got the Simpsons Yeah, well done, Scott. Yeah, so. I honestly feel like the way to do it is you get your home kit to last for two years mm-hmm. and then you uh, bring in uh, a new second mm-hmm. or third kit every year. So like what Arsenal used to do yeah. where they'd uh, have one home kit, one away kit, one third kit. They'd keep the home kit for the next mm-hmm. year, move the away kit to the mm-hmm. other one. I feel like you need a light away kit yeah. and a dark away kit. I'm fine with yeah. three. I think yeah. that's kind of what a lot of teams used to do because Man United used to do that as well. They used to have the, the home kit used to change subtly every year. Then they have a second kit and a third kit, and the second kit would become the third, or the third kit would become the second kit of the previous year. So you'd only get two new ones each year. But yeah, you're right. it's just it's still a bugbear of mine. I don't like having four kits, but they do look great. You'd have to say well, that. The other thing as well, like just from a fan's perspective, like you know, I generally a men's size small, so that's 110 bucks per kit. I like getting the new kits every year. I don't want to have to spend $400 every year on kits on top of membership, on top of just general expenses and whatnot going to games. And, you know, that's changed a little bit over the last 10 years where, let's be honest, as a growing up, you know, with a mortgage and whatnot, it's just more money to spend that I don't want to have to. So, look, it's a first world problem I accept, but it is just just one of those little complaints that, yeah. Look, at the end of the day, football's business, you know, as much as people want to complain about how modern that, that's the way it is and you know what I'm sure there are people out there that like that silver kit or they, or they want the, another maroon yeah. kit or like, there's, there's always and look I think at the end of the day you're better off as a club saying you know what we'll make yeah. it available if that's what the feedback mm-hmm. is rather yeah. than sort of denying them that yep. I think at the end it's better have it than not have it because yep. yeah, it's, it's business yep. For the kit nerds, I said goalkeeper kits are sky blue and lime green, I'm led to believe. So that's uh, interesting. Not sure which one Jamie Young will prefer or Max Crockham will prefer as the first choice. But it's also good to see the way they did the kit lots as well. They had a few of the injured A-League players there. They had a couple of the younger W-League players there unveiling all these kits. It was a, it's quite a nice presentation. Well, that's that a, actually, you bring up a good interesting point. It was point. a good presentation yeah, um, the they did it. Yeah, like, like I said, they, uh, they had also had the women's kits as well, yeah. like with the um, Brisbane Airport um, sponsorship emblazoned mm-hmm. over it. So I think it was um, India, Petroli and... Holly Palmer. Holly Palmer, I think it was, that um, that mm-hmm. was modelling those. And I will say one thing as well. Like, it is nice going into a season as well with mm-hmm. all the sponsors lined up and no major dramas <laughs> about that as well, who's sponsoring where. So That's yeah. all in the past now, come on. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Come on, I, I do say like that is something that yeah, you're right. does... You know, I suppose Warren mm. a little bit of praise there, saying, "Okay, at least you've got that sort of stuff in order as well." If the worst complaint is why why is it taking them 50, 55 minutes to get past, um, you know, a wide base select team? You know, if that's the biggest complaint of the weekend, then you know, it's a good weekend. Yeah, that's it. All right, you know what, guys, we've been here for yeah. a while. I think uh, we're all very keen to get home. You two have to be back here. In before a- we go, there's a couple. We all do have a couple of games coming up between oh, yeah, now right, and the now and the start of the other season. I think Gold Coast Knights next Saturday, depending on when you listen to this. So. Down at the Logan Metro Sports Park. That'll be a great testament as well because of the NPL Queensland champions. And then they round out their pre-season up at AJ Kelly against Pinchfield Power. So two pretty good tests there to see where they're at. In terms of, if you think about the best teams in the NPL this year, Lions are probably obviously busy with with their national final series. They can't commit to a game if they've got competitive ones coming up. So these are probably the best two teams you could have gotten to, to as a good a good final test going into the season for Robbie Fowler's side. Yeah, definitely. And I think with that early buy as well, they're going to need to make yeah. sure that they're mm. ready to go round one at Perth. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a case of it might be the, that might be the tactic is, you know, throw everything into round one in Perth, enjoy the week off, and then sort of, you know, play the rest of the season. I think it's, I think that'll be the build-up. Um, well, with that round two by, they could catch the train back from Perth and, <laughs> and uh, not worry about the potential damage yeah. of a long flight. Or if they get thrashed yeah. to walk from Perth. <laughs> <laughs> they won't get back in that sort of time. It's a bit of a funny one, though. You think about a away in round one, a buy in round two. Do not have a home game. Until round three, it's a bit of a unique one for Australian football when you think about it. Doesn't I don't actually not, think I so. Know, but I know you're going to mention NFL where teams do play away for the first couple of weeks, but in Australian I wasn't fo- going to actually. In Australian football, it doesn't happen too often that normally if you're away in week one, you're at home in week two. It's just an abnormality abnormality of the draw. Yeah, exactly. And you know there are going to be a few draw abnormalities this year yes. with eleven teams in the competition. But you know, bottom line is still going to play all your games, see yeah. how it goes, and. A little bit of a teaser for that uh, season preview that we'll have coming up before too long. Yes. I'm actually feeling pretty confident about that trip to Perth. You reckon? Yeah, they'll be. I, I'm very, very confident that they'll be there and field 11 players for kickoff. I'm just waiting for the annual joke you're going to make or are you going to save it for our season preview? I'll save that for the season preview. Great. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam. Good to see you again, James. Scott. Yep, Adam. Yep, and we should also say, just before we sign off, mm. a big thank you to Football Queensland and all the NPL yes. clubs that we've been to visit uh, this season. They've been very accommodating Especially for us. Especially this fine establishment. <laughs> yes, which seems to be our, uh, I think, second most popular yep. recording venue. So. In particular, all the coaches who've taken the time after yeah. games to and speak players. to us. Yes, sometimes not always in... Not always after a win, and it's been um, dramatic conclusions and controversy, and they've always taken time to talk to us, so we definitely thank them for that. We really appreciate it. And also, we should say, so once again, congratulations to Lions for their NPLW double, and Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be back in a little while. I think we're going to... We're not going to have any more episodes for until our A-League season preview. Next one's a big A-League season preview. Looking forward to it. Yes, definitely, which will be out around about the Labor Day weekend. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, have a good couple of weeks. We'll be back later. This has been the Brisbane Football Review.